The following program is brought to you by Podcast One Sportsnet. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. Time to play with pain, where sports and inaccuracy collide. Now, here's your host, veteran sportscaster, and the voice of the International Speed Fishing Championships, Jet Waterhouse. Ah, brother! Hello again, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. My guest today, writer, comedian, filmmaker, new documentary on stand-up comedy on Amazon Prime called I Need You to Kill. But uh, he's always going to need a sky cap to help him haul around the baggage of being the original Tom Servo. In Mystery Science Theater 3000, J. Elvis Weinstein. A pleasure to be here. Thank oh, hang on. Oh, geez. I do this all the time. I just forget. First, the Waterhouse Update brought to you by U-Drive, the app that lets you rent your own car to take you wherever you want to go. Playoff Mania, NBA, Celtic slow roast Cleveland like a parked Chevy Malibu caught in a lava flow. LeBron James looked as exhausted as an African-American student trying to catch a nap at the Yale Law Library. Now unemployed Kevin James says he's available to the Cavs to fall on someone's anterior cruciate ligament. If Boston coach Brad Stevens can stay in the news two more days, Jay Elvis, he'll be tapped for a Trump cabinet post. Meanwhile, Houston and Golden State will be playing for the NBA championship. Hockey! Capitals up to zip. Now the second toughest grinder in D.C. behind Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Somebody stop the Winnipeg Jets, said the NBC exec in charge of hockey ratings. That playoff mania brought to you by Kaleidoscope Eye Drops. Don't just get the red out. Enter a magical world. Baseball! Angels multi-threat show. hey Tanny threw six scoreless innings. Then for kicks, caught a bluefish tuna with his bare hands. Golf! At the playoff championship. Uh, wait a second. That's the players' championship. The playoff championship is a whole entirely other thing that I believe is for uh, mini-golf. Webb Simpson coasted to victory literally while shooting a 73 from a hoverboard. Man, that's tough. Making golf even tougher. And finally, UFC 224. Amanda Nunez retains her belt with a knee to the nose. A martial arts move straight from the Netherlands. That pun brought to you by Plopcorn. The popcorn that pops upside down. Get it right in the bowl every time with Plopcorn. Now, it's talk time with Jay Elvis Weinstein. Minnesota born and bred. Do you live and die with the Minnesota teams, or is it mostly just dying? Uh, I've learned just to die. Just much. die? Yeah. Do you care which one do you like the most out of all those? Because what do you got? What do you got? You got the Vikings? You got the Twins? You I got think, the Wild? I think the Vikings are the only one that have my pure loyalty still. Like, I've, I've, sp- I've split off with other baseball teams, other basketball teams. So you're seeing other teams. My, the Vikings are my only uh, You're seeing my other only baseball teams. Yes. You're dating occasionally. Yes. Is there a dating app for that? There, <laughs> there should be. Yes. should get a new baseball team if yours sucks. But the Vikings, you literally – and why do you think that is? Just as a kid, it was just, just pounded into you up in Minnesota. It was that, and then I came to a town where there was no football team for years. That's so right. That's here. Nothing, nothing That's to Los draw Angeles. Me. Now we got two, and I still don't care. No, nobody does. I believe San Diego was the correctest. Speaking of approaching 
football as dating. I believe San Diego, the Chargers, when they were in San Diego, was the absolute correct distance for Los Angeles football fans. 150 miles. That's perfect. Yeah, you could see them once a week. That's right. And if you miss a week, you miss a week. But you were still chained to them on the TV schedule, which was, which was yeah. tough. Yeah. <laughs> but they didn't know. So if you were watching or not, so you could always pretend, oh, yeah, I caught the game last week. Sure. <laughs> sure, why not? <laughs> Go Chargers. Now, uh, uh, what's your favorite, uh, what was your favorite sport to do? Being from the Northland, from the Boreal Forest. Did you do any of those sports up there? I pl- I was terrible at the uh, at the indigenous sports like hockey, a very weak ankle problem. Uh, so actually, I was a sk- football. I was a skill player in a lineman's body. I was, you know, I, was, I, was, I have never heard that. That is brilliant. So they just didn't know how to use me properly. They thought I was just beef. And yeah. now you would fit in perfectly as the Gronkowski-type tight end. Absolutely. absolutely. Skill position, That's you were right. just uh, 20 years too late for Except that. for the 25 years of smoking I did and the, <laughs> well, the disc problems. And, yeah. Well, I don't know if that's Maybe I'm past my prime is my point. <laughs> <laughs> that may not slow anybody down out of college nowadays. They got brothels right on campus that's apparently. True, so. So, so, all right. So, you, so, so maybe, uh, so let me guess, maybe snowshoeing might have been <laughs> That was it. I was on the fencing team for a year, weirdly enough. Get out. Yes. First of all, <laughs> what high school has a fencing team? It was more team? of a fencing club. It didn't have a— <laughs> Even it, then. It was a school-sanctioned activity, <laughs> but didn't get team status. Like I went to a high school that had its share of knives and swords, but none of them were in any sort of organized <laughs> right. athletic was, endeavor. Give a sophomore a weapon was kind of my— <laughs> So you had an epe. Is that uh, what it's called? Epe hurt too much. I was a foil guy. Uh, Epe and Saber both hurt. <laughs> so you picked your fencing weapon right. based on pain. Well, you know, I'm proud is, of that, that. is that wrong? No. What's going to hurt the less when someone stabs me? What's going to hurt the less when someone slaps me? Now, what? Uh, where'd you go to high school? I went to uh, St. Louis Park uh, High School, home of uh, Joel and Ethan Cohn. Oh, man. Uh, Al Franken's hometown. Get out. Tom Friedman from the New York Times. Sure. It's a little Jew pod on the prairie. What? So, so somebody, somebody took a uh, a a, a ramshackle Conestoga wagon. That's right. Out that they tagged along. Right. They had it all broke the, down and they turned it into a store. Right. They had all the <laughs> banking receipts, et cetera. Let's hit all the Jewish stereotypes right. in one uh, Conestoga. So now, what was the nickname of the St. Louis? Uh, uh, Park? The Orioles. The St. Louis Park Orioles. Yes. Fencing team, they're in the arena. <laughs> I don't. I don't even know if we got to wear the Oriole moniker. I think we were just the St. Louis Park fencing team. <laughs> the crowd is oh, really, <laughs> yeah, because we're a club. <laughs> the football coach just literally said, "No, no, we're not no, calling them the Orioles." We can't be part of that family. No, <laughs> that's hilarious. Now, what's your favorite spectator sport? What do you like? To uh, watch? I'm a basketball guy, NBA guy. Really? Yeah, big time NBA guy. Well, yeah, sure. <laughs> well, uh, well, so what do you think? I think I the think playoffs you... right now. We got. Uh, we got the Cavs and the Celtics, and then the other division. You got uh, Houston. Although, uh, from what I understand, um, uh, who's the guy with the beard? Uh, Harden. Harden. James Harden may be out of action because uh, uh, they're trying. There, there's some sort of molten lava coming from his beard. Wow. Yeah. So they they might have to cease. <laughs> and and really not for the other players. It's that the uh, the lacquer finish that they have on the floor cannot tolerate that heat. So if it drips, right. <laughs> 
championships. The crew comes out. His move, the patented step back lava drip that yeah. he does. Is, <laughs> That's right. Yeah, is, you can't defend that. No. There's no defending that. All the kids are doing it, uh, even on the uh, Epe team. The no, the foil team. <laughs> right. The St. Louis Park Orioles flying high with the Orioles. So, uh, so it's Houston, Golden State. And then, uh, and then Boston, uh, Cleveland. So you got sort of Rust Belt East Coast versus uh, New Agey yeah. kind of thing. Who are you picking? I, I'm, I'm, I'm having a hard time not picking Houston for it all. Really? Yeah. I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna fold up like a pup tent. You think? You think? Yeah. Golden State just has too much experience. Too much. Uh, they, they are. Yeah. They're gonna fold up like Neville Chamberlain. <laughs> Just go for I'm not rooting for him, so I'm not. Right, I'm really not, not rooting for Houston. Who are you rooting for? I'm. I think I still like the Golden State thing. I still. Uh, it's a. It's a little bit of a of a winner uh, pick, but. Uh, I love it though. I love Steph Curry. Yeah, I, I love. I just love the thing. way that you. They can just crush you in a minute. Yeah, suddenly, <laughs> bam! Ten three pointers. You're down forty five. What happens? <laughs> He's like a butterfly, that kid, man. Yeah, he he's just all over the court, and and he's got to watch it because it's speaking of weak ankles. That's right. That you exactly. and him don't put him in a hockey. Yeah, mask. same chiropractor. <laughs> you got to go. Uh, so listen, the Jay Elvis part of it. How'd that all come into existence? That uh, Josh Weinstein is my actual name, and I, when I joined the Writers Guild years ago. I couldn't be Josh Weinstein because there was another one. There was another Josh so Weinstein. I, so I threw, who would have thunk? I threw the Elvis in to make my initials spelled Jew. J E, that's great. <laughs> and I figured it would be hilarious. I just sign everything Jew, you know. And then I, when you do that, and people see Jew scrawled on the paper first, it just looks like you sent them a hate crime in the mail. <laughs> so in this day and age, and then uh, yes, yes, uh, uh, the times changed a bit, and yeah. uh, <laughs> the joke took on an undertow. It really did. But I was like 21, I think, when I did it, and I just thought it was hilarious at the time. That anecdote brought to you by Zestimate. Get bad news from your contractor with a wink and a smile at Zestimate. <laughs> so now listen to me. Uh, people know you. Uh, we're going we're gonna to talk about the movie I Need You to Kill. But uh, I think Mystery Science Theater 3000 probably – put you on the map and what possibly could have preceded that because you were like 12 <laughs> when was, you started at mystery Science. i was 17 on mystery good Science lord Theater. yeah and i had started 17 doing... I, I didn't i had problems with my parka zipper at 17 <laughs> and you were doing like cutting edge national uh, comedy show it, it started as a local but it but but yeah i went national this is in minneapolis in minneapolis we started as a uhf TV show, which doesn't even exist anymore. No, they don't even have UHF. Uh, but uh, I, t- tell me about it. Half my bread and butter went away with <laughs> when UHS died. UHF I, died. We saw you at the UHF Hall of Fame Awards. <laughs> yeah, I was presenting. Unfortunately, yes. I didn't get in yet before they lost it. So how did this come about? Uh, Joel Hodgson. Joel who's, Hodgson who's like created a, the show. He's like a, an artist in a comedian's body. Yes. Kinda. He's not really a comedian. <laughs> There's a lot of ways you could take that. Well, I don't mean I mean, he's hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> oh, brother, backpedaling. Hang on. That squeaky sound is me backpedaling. I don't mean that. I it's love Joel props, I it? love Joel Hodgson. He's a brilliant comedian. I mean, the first time I saw him, uh, I just went, holy smokes. He had a, he had a thing. He had a, he had a leaf blower <laughs> right. with a giant New Year's Eve uh, party blowout. One party of those blowout thing. That yeah. would roll out like 50 feet into the crowd. <laughs> right. 
It's just genius. The kid's genius. He took out someone's teeth once at the at Hermosa Beach with that. Wow. (laughs) Someone in the front row chipped someone's teeth because there was a metal piece at the very end. (laughs) Just for the weight of it. (laughs) Well, you know, hey, you got to give for your art. And if you're there to see Joel, you got to be willing to sacrifice. It's like it's worse than a Gallagher show. (laughs) (laughs) Gallagher never said, here, wear this mouth guard. Right. It was just... It was just a poncho at Gallagher. <laughs> right, exactly. With Hodgson, you, gotta, you literally have a helmet and a face guard. Right. And... Brought to you by Delta. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that plug brought to you by Zenvelope. Send your bad feelings far, far away with Zenvelope. So Hodgson starts the show on his own. Uh, he didn't start it on his own, but he, came, with... he, came with the, he hooked up with this guy at this UHF station and came up with this idea. And then uh, recruited Trace Beaulieu and I to come in and... and Play robots on this thing, and it really you and you're catcalling old movies essentially. Basically, yeah. I mean, his original concept was you know like the old local TV hosted movie, right? Except right. for the host goes in and watches the movie with you instead of just coming out of the commercial break. <laughs> right. So, so initially, I think he thought there would there would be some jokes, but it would just be kind of comments like you were watching a movie with somebody. And then week by week, since we were improving the show, it's like it started filling up with jokes. And then once we started having more jokes, you started feeling the absence of jokes in other places. <laughs> yes. And soon we were doing like, you know, eight jokes a minute. You know? Yes. The, the moth likes the flame. Yes. Exactly. And when the flame goes out, yeah, hey, where's the freaking flame? Right. <laughs> so we did that as a, as a local show for a year. And then it just happened to be that comedy, which, what's now Comedy Central and was then called Comedy Channel was starting up and needed programming, and we could fill two hours for really cheap. So, yeah, yeah. So it all Brilliant. worked Brilliant. And you were 17. I was. And you just started contributing, like, uh, jokes, and, and uh, you knew him from a uh, – how would you know him? I had been doing stand-up for a couple of years. At, at Good Lord! <laughs> I started when I was 15. How late a start did I get, Mike? <laughs> I'm 100 now. Yeah, brother. Man, oh, man, I was just trying to get a free meal in high school. Trying to get a joint. You were working on your career at 15. I was. Ah, good Lord. I've stopped since working on my career. <laughs> so it's evening out. <laughs> now, now, because of that, starting young, you're drawn to stand-up. I don't know why. What, what, what in you made you go, uh, I got to try that? Uh, I don't know. I just always felt like one, when I growing up, I always felt like I was one of those on TV. My family was funny in a way that was stand-up conducive you know my my family stand-up my family was that's a medical my term. family was stand-up like stand-up conducive my family had like a had a really good sense of humor uh-huh. you know so like you could change any mood in my house with the right joke and, and, you, yeah. and you could turn you could turn it against you with the wrong sure joke. so you learned <laughs> timing <laughs> exactly the most important thing you learned from your family was timing but the tensest thing could be broken with the right joke in my that's house oh mom and dad are fighting I got a nice little crafted comeback <laughs> yeah. here. Do I throw the slurve and see if I can? Let me do my Rice Krispies chunk. <laughs> that always gets mom. <laughs> but it was, you know, so I just grew up with funny people. So, and I, they always loved stand ups on TV. So I think I sort of associated with like, hey, I can, that's the easiest way I can get approval oh, <laughs> without great. a degree. Uh, because of that, starting at 15, do you think you missed anything? 
like from high school or that age? Because you started, uh, you dove right into stand-up. You started doing stand-up. Uh, within two years, you're working on a national show. Uh, it's all out of Minneapolis, but still, I mean, were there things like you, well, I, you know, I mean, you did the fencing thing. <laughs> that was before, yeah. <laughs> oh, he said, wow. You had no, an accelerated childhood. I did. I even skipped a grade. So I was like, I, I, I graduated. Man, oh, man, that's impressive. So, I skipped a grade, but it was because I just skipped class. <laughs> Nobody officially moved me from right. one side to the other or anything like that. Is there anything you missed that, that you look back on now and go, ooh, that might have been fun to try? <laughs> no, I feel like it saved my life, honestly. Really? Yeah, I hated high, high school. felt like minimum security prison to me. And so when I found, like, hey, I can be one of these people. And people weirdly accepted me as a peer, like, incredibly quickly. In so, the comedy scene? In the comedy scene. Wow. So it was just, and I didn't really look my age, and I was writing, you know, I had decent joke writing chops pretty quick, so it was just I like, think that's the key to people accepting you as a peer. I think so, too. <laughs> Uh-oh. Hey, there's a new kid. He's a threat. Wait a second. He can write jokes. Right. Hey, let me take him out to dinner. <laughs> well, and for years, I was like, people would take me down on the road because they'd come home with five new minutes because I was sitting there watching their act all week, you know. So you just love the craft of it. I really do, yeah. Speaking of craft, try Flantastic, the best vending machine flan ever. They know how to craft that stuff. Now, uh, you still do stand-up? Even though you're writing, you're producing, you do movies, all that kind of stuff? I do. It's still, I still think of myself as a stand-up more than anything. Like even when, when I direct a movie, I feel like I'm a stand-up directing a movie. You know, it's really my identity because I got it at 15. And, yeah. You know, and wore it, it so absolutely. proudly. It, 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 uh, it was your wingman through puberty. Absolutely. <laughs> it was the identity. only thing that made me cool. You, know? <laughs> you didn't I, even need another human when you went to a bar. And they couldn't even come see me because I was in a bar. You know? <laughs> Which made it extra cool. <laughs> it did. Now, you know that, uh, uh, first of all, well, yeah, then you moved out here. I'm skipping a whole all right. Moved chunk. out here when I was 20. Oh, my God. I'm not skipping a chunk. <laughs> That's really like six months after we just stopped talking about it. <laughs> we'll accelerate. 20. The fallow years. accelerated at all. That's horrible. Uh, you, you, I, I know you, you did some gigs, but then, uh, like you, you went right for uh, – you got America's Funniest Home Videos. I did at one point, yes. And, and uh, for me, that's like just – you didn't waste any time tackling the art versus commerce dilemma. <laughs> you know, most guys sweat in the art for about 15 years yeah. and then wrestle this thing. You just said, all right, well, what am I, 21 or whatever the hell you were when you got that gig? No, you know, this was, is money. There was some stuff in between, but yeah. There and was, then you just went, hey, this yeah, is good money. This is in 80, 80 countries. This show and it was like the speed bag of writing for you. It yeah. Like, baggity, 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 yeah. pow. Jokety joke. Jokety joke. Who was the host at the time? Uh, you, how many hosts did you go well, through? Well, they sort of brought me in to desagatize the show when Bob Saget left. <laughs> That's another medical term. And so that was uh, the years I was head writer for a couple years with John Fugelsang and, sure. and Daisy Fuentes as the host. My good, Daisy Fuentes hosted she that. She did, yes. My good, that's and, kind uh, of a little different edge to the joke. It was a, it was a different scene for sure. Yeah. Uh, now, uh, having come from Saget, and uh, was there anybody between Saget and uh, and Fuentes? Uh, no, though that, that they went right from Saget in the one hole. <laughs> <laughs> Fuentes batting second. That's right. Then they went into uh, who did they go to? Uh, it was Tom Bergeron. After Tom Bergeron right. batting third, and then cleanup is uh, Alfonso Ribeiro. Right, who's doing it now? And I did. I did two stints there, and I did like Freaks and Geeks and a couple other things. Between yeah, them. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the Freaks and Geeks thing was huge, but before we get to that, uh, so now different kinds of jokes for Fuentes clearly than for uh, uh, for uh, for, uh, for, uh, for Bob yeah, Sag. Yes. Because Saget will get the – Saget might be able to sell a double entendre. Absolutely. 
And I think Daisy Fuentes is going to. Daisy had better chops than, the, than you'd think as a supermodel. Really? Yeah. And so, she would take a line read. She would accept a line read very wow. readily. So, <laughs> so I just sat no, there. In none the of the other hosts on that show are going to accept the line <laughs> nope. read. Nope. She would just tell me how to say it. <laughs> she would do it that yeah, way. Yeah, she would. Oh, man. You got to love that kid. She'd give kid. it two shots herself. Coachable. <laughs> yeah, That's what they call her. Coachable. And she was great on camera. That compliment brought to you by Ad Nauseum, the tummy medicine that really works if you keep taking it and taking it and taking it. Freaks and geeks. Is where you met both uh, uh, Judd Apatow, who's running show business now, right. and Paul Feig. I knew Paul before, but yeah. But that's... Uh, yeah, Paul Feig is, is related to one of my uh, announcing partners, uh, Hal Hadley. I don't yeah. know if you know that. Uh, his, his, uh, I think it was his uncle or something like that was uh, one of my original announcing partners. Chet and Hal called uh, some interesting uh, – we, we, we did the 4th of July Easter egg hunt. All right. And then we did uh, – we called Scudocross – which is like motocross, but it's slower and whinier. <laughs> so how'd you guys hook up? Was it Freaks and you, you met You met earlier, but then Freaks and Geeks, he, worked, he came up with that. He came Kinda. up with that, yeah. He and I were friends, and yeah. we were actually in a band together even at the time, Paul and I. And uh, Apatow. You could die at like 41 and be happy. You've that, done so that, much that stuff. That ship has sailed, the dying <laughs> at 41, I'm afraid. <laughs> I'm going for 51 at this point. That's all right. You can but, die. We'll edit that. You can die at 51 and be happy. You've lived a full life. But so, so you was, were in a band. Yeah. I'm and, with my wife, uh, Paul Feig, Dave Gruber, Allen. Oh, yeah. Sure. From Higgins, Boys, and Gruber. Yes. Man, fantastic. Uh, but Apatow had just had a baby at that time, Freaks and Geeks. So he was home on Saturday nights when when America's Funniest Home Videos was running. So he had like this litany of things that he loved that I did on America's Funniest Home Videos. And he was the only person ever in 20 years in show business to mention AFV in any way. <laughs> but Until it just now. so happened <laughs> that, that he had just seen a bunch of my stuff when Freaks and Geeks was happening. So he was amenable to me coming in. And, and probably, and this is, a, this is a credit to Judd, a guy who will still hire on merit. You're right. You know, yes. like like, a mer- uh, like merit is still important. Skill is still important in Hollywood. But, but yeah, eh, in the YouTube influencer generation, might slide down to sixth or seventh on right. the priority Absolutely. list. But it's still there. But uh, but Judd's a guy like here's a funny joke on 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 AFV, right? And goes, yeah, there's a guy behind that joke. Maybe a guy or girl. Uh, maybe I should get to know. So he kind of knew you from that, and then boom, freaks and geeks. Maybe the most successful failure uh, in the history of show yeah. business. That we're still man, talking about. It. Yeah, the, uh, look at that cast and the crew and uh, people with massive careers. Name some of them because I don't. I don't want to. James spoil Franco, it. Seth Rogen, Jason Segel, Linda Cardellini, Busy Phillips, uh, Martin Starr. Yeah, holy John smokes. Daly. Wow. Yeah, it was quite a cast. That's crazy. Not to and mention great Judd then, and Paul too. and you, and you know, that's 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 crazy. That's just crazy. So now uh, you met on that, and that kind of went away fast. Yes. And now, but what did the did you get the bug bitten then to do like movies and documentaries? When did that hit? Because you're doing stand up, you're writing, you're killing it, and then all of a sudden you go, ah, I gotta write some movies. You know what it was? It was uh, I had three years in a row where I had I had written pilots for you know had pilot deals that didn't go. 
And then I had a movie deal. I sold a script that didn't get made. Right. And I was just like, I need to start making something. This is incredibly frustrating. I'm only happy when yeah. I'm making something. Well, Hollywood is, uh, I've learned, uh, even coming from the sports world, that uh, Hollywood is the uh, Kama Sutra of getting boned. Yes. I mean, every time, you, we, you could be sitting at a bar anywhere in Hollywood and tell a story about, uh, about you getting boned. Right. And literally, a guy at the table next to you will lean over and go, you think that's something? <laughs> exactly. And he's right. He'll have right. a worse story. <laughs> for sure. So yeah. you get fed, kind of fed I just up. Got fed, I got paid for all these things, but it was just like this is – there's no, nothing satisfying about right, this. Right, right. So I started – well, I started – I reunited with the uh, Mystery Science Theater gang at when the writer's strike happened in 2007. And we started doing this thing called Cinematic Titanic, which was our, our self-produced – version of movie riffing. And right, then, right. Then we went on the road playing theaters for four or five years. And, and during that time, I started making documentaries. And so I've been, it's like been a big, long chunk of this sort of self-generated content now. But it's, it's got to be tremendously satisfying. Perhaps that, not for your mortgage broker. Not for my mortgage broker. But everybody but, else. But I feel better at 46 having made two movies now than I did at 42 having not. You know, <laughs> so. That health advice brought to you by Breasts. The all-white meat chicken restaurant. Now, I need you to kill. Yes. What is it? This is a... a Tell doc- everybody, because I love this. A documentary I made about, uh, basically about stand-up comedy in Asia. About I follow three Amer- three really funny American comics. Tom Segura, who you might have heard of. Chad Daniels. Pete Lee. I go on a tour with them to Singapore, Macau, and Hong Kong. And then explore these comedy scenes that are popping up in all these countries around Asia. As Remember, well. like baseball in the late seventies, when guys would get too old for American baseball, and just <laughs> right. then, right? Like, hey, where did Harold Reynolds go? He's playing in Japan. This is kind of like that, but like thirty plus years later. Kind of. Well, it's like thirty plus years later in the sense that it really totally feels like the eighties comedy scene here in America. Wow, it's really on the verge of this boom, and there's all these. There's like there aren't quite full time clubs yet, but there's all all these comedy nights that are getting audiences and the comics aren't as good as the uh, as the audiences yet you know right right so, so people are coming because it's comedy right not because they need to see that right. particular so guy which gotten, is what it morphed into and here. that's what it was in the 80s yeah where, yeah, yeah where every town had a one-nighter in a hotel hey look bar. neon <laughs> right. let's go there and they'd fill it <laughs> yeah wow <laughs> right. so it's singapore macau and hong kong oh, holy smokes and it's available that's like the fun part of asia to me well singapore is yeah. a little Singapore's fun is you know. yeah, but Macau and Hong Kong are they're they're just like the Vegas of they the Far great, East. Great cities, yeah. yeah. They're nuts. I mean, Macau is Vegas, so I don't. You can decide if you like if it, if it's a great city, but Hong Kong's a great city. So you follow these three guys on stage and off stage. Yes, throughout this very whirlwind tour of like seven shows and seven nights. So what's and, the wildest? So 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 it's about are they struggling with with. I'm sure they're still getting big laughs, but I mean, you know, co- comedians are like, how do I connect to the, uh, you know, it's like trying to figure out what pitch. <laughs> well, and that's, we talk about it a lot in that throw. process. I, you know, we talk about, you know, the fear that they go in with, the things that they discover, which is, to some extent, it's less foreign than you'd think in terms of the things that people connect to, but there were just like some areas that just were never going to work. For now, you get a lot of English-speaking people? Uh, it was almost all English speaking, yeah. Wow! So it's just like it's just like folks it's, who it's expats and you know, like Singapore is an English speaking nation, so the yeah, so the audience is all locals. That. Like Hong Kong, it's more expats from all over. Maybe I can get some work there. There's some work to be had. There. Singapore. There's some work to be had. What's well, big and saying? I think Highlight. No, that stuff they, where they throw flying kicks. Uh, 
Oh, no, ping pong's big in Singapore. I think ping pong. Ping pong. Yeah. I'm going I'm to tell my agent about ping pong. Uh, hey, listen, I'm going to tell you a little break here from that. It's on, first of all, it's on Amazon Prime, right? It is on Amazon Prime. It's streaming on Amazon Prime. Yes. Very exciting. You gotta go. You gotta watch this, man. I need you to kill. It's so fascinating, hilarious, and insightful. And uh, and speaking of great, uh, if you're looking to buy a car, you're probably familiar with terms like MSRP. You might even know what it stands for. But what's it actually mean? Same goes for invoice or list price, dealer price. What the hell is that? It's enough to confuse anybody, even me, and I'm easily confused. All you're really looking for is a price that actually means something. Introducing True Price from True Car. Now you can know exactly what you'll pay for the car you want, including fees and accessories, before you even get to the dealership. True Car dealers will show you the true price on cars like the one you want, all from the comfort of your home. And how do you know if your true price is a great price? Because True Car shows you what other people paid for that same car that you want. And your certified dealers know this. So they set their true price competitively so they can win your business. So when you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features are not available in all states. All right, listen, I got me a bona fide filmmaker here. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions to get some advice for my, for my home audience. Uh, biggest misconception about directors, because you're a director now, let's be honest. What do people think about directors that isn't true? Uh, that they truly know what they're doing at all times. <laughs> So, so it's kind of a crapshoot for you there. You just got to keep the appearance that you truly know what you're doing. So, so it's actually great acting. Yes, I think there is an element of acting. All right. Uh, 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 unluckiest career moment? Uh, I think I'm living it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's a damn shame. <laughs> that zinger brought to you by Sporty Snips, your one stop for sports, booze, and a haircut. Everything winds up a buzz cut at Sporty Snips. Luckiest career moment? Um, finding stand-up at 15. Man, that is impressive when you're, man, that is so cool. It took me another uh, uh, 15 years of angst to realize I should be a sportscaster. <laughs> All right, time for the Fiery Four. The Fiery Four. Jay Elvis. These are headlines so hot, they've gotten an under-the-table payment from Michael Cohen. Fire number one. Wow, listen wow. to that. <laughs> That was like an underground bomb. Is it a telltale sign for the sport of golf that the biggest ratings grabber is a 38-year-old guy who hasn't won in five years and now has the back muscles of a Jewish cantor? I, I think he's still young by the appeal. You know, yeah. Demographically, he's still, you know, he's still a kid. Yeah, he can draw. Yeah. But can he swing anymore? No. Yeah, he, yeah. I think even this day, he had a good round, the last round of the Players' Championship Sunday. Until, but I believe that's because he was already 17 uh, shots behind. Yeah, he, he went off a nine. cliff. He went off a cliff in the back, <laughs> on the, like the back six. Yeah, he, he kind of did. Yeah. He kind of <laughs> slid down. That's a good analogy because you can kind of picture Tiger just grabbing at weeds and All things right. that grow out All the right. same. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the answer is, uh, quite frankly, no, golf may not survive it. Fire number two! Should we figure out a way to pay college athletes, even the fencers? Because that's like a big Especially deal. the fencers. Because <laughs> they're drawing the big bucks. Absolutely. Televised fencers. Billions of dollars being made. I'm not, don't make these kids rich. Don't, don't make it a free agent market. But uh, there has to be some sort of stipend. Yeah, there's, there's got to be. It's beyond student-athlete because the college education nowadays uh, doesn't mean a whole lot. 
You're better off of producing some sort of a sex tape with a semi-celebrity. You are better off dropping out of college to mock movies with a gumball machine puppet. <laughs> Man, that's from the horse's mouth there, folks. Right. Fire number three. The Preakness is coming weekend. Had the Kentucky Derby a couple weeks ago. You got the Belmont in uh, about a month. Will horse racing ever diminish as a sport? Is it just too damn fun for super uh, rich people to to go and dress up and go and own things? I think now that the Supreme Court has legalized uh, sports betting across the board today. uh, That's right. uh, No, it's going to die soon. (laughs) (laughs) think so? It's just going to go the way of – Especially because the underdog stories in uh, whenever they do like the the heartwarming feature right. at a horse racing event, it's still a guy who's like making six figures because he's got a string of Hawaiian pokey stuff. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, he's the, the heartwarming underdog story. The entrance fee to horse racing does not make for underdogs. <laughs> you heard it here from J. Elvis Weinstein, horse racing dead within six years. Fire number four. Can the Vikings win the Super Bowl? Minnesota Apparently boy. not. <laughs> I'll let that stand. The Fiery Four brought to you by Bananas, the banana guaranteed to ripen tomorrow. Now, I understand you may have some questions for me. Uh, yeah, okay. I do. I do. You can uh, wing these off the top of your head. You can write them down. This is the pop quiz from J. Elvis Weinstein towards me. This is from any any part of pop culture we're talking Anything. about? I don't care uh, what it is. Because my uh, range of knowledge is limited but wide. How, uh, how did the name Childish Gambino come about? Well, it's got to be from the Gambino family in New York, the mobsters. Uh, and uh, and uh, I would think that uh, uh, a kid like that, uh, Glover, uh, probably thought to himself, well, I want to be a gangster, but I don't want to be that kind of gangster. So I'll be, uh, I'm childish in my gangster ways. And then he just picked a gangster name out of the blue. No, that's a crowd. I'm already 0 <laughs> 1. I've been told that it was uh, from a Wu Tang Clan name generator online. Wow. Yes. <laughs> So there's just one of those, uh, like uh, in the olden days when they would crank a uh, thing. Then the, right, uh, a random tumble, name yeah, file. Yeah, right. That's, all right, I'm 0-1. Two, uh, two more. This will be best of three. Um, who, uh, who was the uh, drummer for Miles Davis at Newport when he played with Monk? The, the drummer for Miles Davis at Newport when he played with Monk. I'm going to have to go Tony Williams. I'm going to say yes. <laughs> Another 15-year-old uh, Fina. Tony Williams yes. started playing with Miles at 15. Question number three. This is the rubber the rubber match. I'm one for, I'm one, I'm one for two. Uh, who uh, name uh, the most famous Harlem Globetrotter? <laughs> the most famous Harlem Globetrotter would have to be, uh, oh, not Curly Neal, uh, Meadowlark Lemon. I'm going to go give it that to Two for three. With the possible exception of Wilt Chamber. <laughs> One and a half for three. <laughs> oh, brother, that pop quiz brought to you by Footkerchief. You've got one for your hands. Why not your feet? Huge thanks to my guest today, J. Elvis Weinstein. Follow him on Twitter, at J. Elvis Weinstein. Catch his great documentary. It's on Amazon Prime uh, about stand-up comedy, I Need You to Kill. And also catch his podcast with the great Andy Kindler, Thought Spiral. You'll find it. Thought Spiral. Follow me on Twitter at Chet Waterhouse and follow my buddy at Real Jeff Cesario on Twitter. Thanks for listening. Without you, I'm just talking into a can, so spread the word. I'm on Podcast One and Apple Podcasts. Speaking of Podcast One, if you like this show, check out the hit series Small Town Murder, 
every Thursday on Podcast One, largely because we murdered it here, so why not? Small Town Murder, the masterminds behind crime and sports. Take a comedic look at small towns across America and the grisly crimes that take place in them. Check out Small Town Murder at Podcast One and Apple Podcasts. Also, remember to rate it and review it. If you want more of me this weekend, Jay Elvis and all you folks out there, I'll be in Lake of the Weeds, Minnesota, calling the 43rd Annual Fishing for Pickups, where fishermen try to catch their own trucks they drunkenly left on the ice too long in March. This is Chet Waterhouse reminding you to play with pain.